This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're talking television. It's Andrew Mercado joining myself, James Manning. Andrew, welcome back. Hi, James. A um, lot been happening. I think, well, I think we've spoken since the Logies post-show, have we? We haven't. So there's, there's been a fair bit on. We're in the sort of just about to enter the – we have entered the second half of the year, if you like. It's It almost feels like the run home already. I'm not sure why. Well, there's so many new shows coming up in the next few weeks and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff coming, going on. Sure, yeah, look, absolutely. We always like to start with a little bit of controversy. Let's um, start about Network 10's Pilot Week, which has created a fair amount of chat but probably not the sort Sort of chat that uh, Network Ten was hoping for. Yeah, um, look, the, on first glance, uh, look. First of all, the idea of Pilot Week is fantastic. I think it's a really, really great stunt to do, and why not? You know, for so many years, networks have looked at pilots in-house. Why not put them on air and see what reaction there is from the punters? You know, uh, so I think it's a great idea. But I think uh, I. I don't suppose that 10 were expecting a bit of a backlash that, you know, a couple of female comedians in the country looked at it and said, wow, look at all those pilots from white men. Where are the women in any of these pilots? In fact, the only woman I think I can remember from any of the press releases, Anna Heinrich, who was from the first series of The Bachelor, yep. uh, is going to be the legal eagle on and trial by Kyle. With uh, Kyle Sanderland. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it is very interesting. This morning I was watching the Today Show. There was Rachel Griffiths talking about her new SBS series, uh, Dead Lucky, and she had that conversation about here's a cast and the the question was put to her and she said, look, it's not that hard to get a diverse cast on screen. It just takes a little bit more work. So instead of going for the familiar faces, spread the field a little bit wider and let's look at some Asian actors or some, you know, in the case of uh, an Iranian actor and let's test them and we might find some great talent in there and then you can just cut, change the character uh, to be from that descent and it, it does make uh, the mix a little bit different on screen. Sure. Look, I'll, we'll talk through each of the programs in a minute but dear, let's just stay on this sort of theme thing about it's it's a lot of um, white guys, yes. right, and not many women. I, I do buy Ten's argument somewhat though that that all of these productions will have significant number of women working on them. Yeah. But I guess it's um, it's not a great look if they're all going to be hosted by men, which is the point um, a lot of people are making. Yeah. Um, and some of them, like uh, Loon Media, which is making, I think, uh, which show are they making? It's a Leonie Lowe's company, so it's run by a woman. But I've, I've lost the spot of, um, oh, they're making Taboo. It's the Harley Breen's um, program. So, and the, the the bad thing is, though, that the there could be blowback on this and if sort of people maybe boycott it or just mm. stay away from it for those reasons, there will be some good work that's possibly going to be sort of uh, hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unintentionally, but like Dave O'Neill tweeted yesterday, look, I've worked really hard. I've funded this program. I've, you know, spent a lot of time working on it myself. And now, you know, it's it's um, possibly going to be ignored by a lot of people. 
Yeah, look, I don't think it's going to be ignored. I think we're still a few uh, enough weeks away from it for this to die down and for the shows to maybe be screened in their own right. But I, I think it, there is a sign there that when you're putting together a mix like that, I mean, everyone's looking at... Are you because the industry agreed to be more diverse? It is the buzzword at the moment, and people say they're going to do it, and then something like this comes out, and people go, Well, hang on a second, that's not diverse at all. And I'm just saying that things have to be diverse, but you know, mm. people are watching now. Yeah, and I guess when you package them up together, people look. I mean, if these shows came in one by one across the year, nobody would notice. No problem. Yeah, no, no argument, but as, um, as uh, Bev McGarvey said, TEN's content director, she said, look, we've got 21 new shows this year. This is eight of them. Yeah. You know, a lot of the other ones do feature women. Yeah. Um, so, so all right, well, let's have a look at them uh, one by one. Um, skit Happens. Nothing is st- safe from a Skit Happens parody when the nation's up-and-coming comedians join forces for Network 10's first sketch comedy in 12 years, which maybe tells us something, Andrew McCarter. Well, skit comedy is very, very hard to do in Australia because you need to be patient with it and you need to try and go past any backlash you get on social media that it isn't funny. I mean, would fast forward... Uh, have stuck around and been a huge success with social media. The first few weeks of Fast Forward weren't fantastic. It's one of the hardest and most expensive things to do, but if you're patient with it and get it right, you can have huge success. But look at Foxtel Game of Cropper with Skit House. Was this called Skit House a few years back on the Comedy Channel when they had Gina Riley and I all of that? I think Skit House was on Network 10. Oh, I can't even remember what that of, was called. That was uh, Roving Enterprises. Yeah. Pa- Peter Hallier, I think, was in it. It's um, just a really hard genre to get right, uh, and we'd better hope that that pilot episode, that pilot episode is going to be, inc- needs to be incredibly funny uh, for that to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Skit House was on Network 10. It, it, oh, okay, it, wrong name. It re-ran on the Comedy Channel. Right. Possibly well, still. what was that expensive one that the Comedy Channel oh, did? yes. Um, Remember Gina mm. Riley and all those massive million-dollar production and even it didn't work? Yeah, that just didn't work. I'm just having yeah. a quick look here as we chat. Yeah, no, that was a... Um, a bit of a flop, wasn't it? And we it? all remember what happened when Ben Elton tried to do live skit comedy on Channel 9, live from planet Earth, and he got absolutely mown down uh, by social media when that was around the very, very early days of Twitter. And he's quite scarred from that experience, and rightly so, because, you know, he says that so much of his early work, none of it would have happened if, you know, we'd all been listening to what, Everyone at home who's a critic now says on night one. Yeah. Yeah, I think of this list of programs, this um, is potentially the most <laughs> challenging for audiences, maybe yeah. skit happens. To, Correct. But it's just a one-off though. So. It's just a one-off and if it's really, really funny, you know, there's nothing better than when an Australian skit show actually works, mm. like The Late Show or The Degeneration or Fast Forward. You know, yeah. it can be the comedy company on 10. Sure. I understand why they're trying to do it. Uh, Dave is uh, funny man Dave O'Neill. We just mentioned that. He opens the doors to his crazy life in a half-hour narrative comedy. Yep. Expect laughter, tears and the appreciation of not being Dave. Uh, Dave is produced by Studio Bento, which I'm not sure 
I've come across them before. Maybe it's Dave O'Neill's company. And I think this has been on the cards for a long time. I think Dave Hughes is telling the truth there. He's, he's been Dave O'Neill. Dave O'Neill's, I mean, he has been working on a long time uh, for this. Yep. So that's actually says to me that it could be really good because there's nothing better than reworking that script and doing revision after revision after revision while you're waiting for the funding to come through to, you know... Uh, the the most successful Australian films, yeah, this great example was given to me years ago that Looking for Alla Brandy went through this phenomenal number of script rewrites waiting for the funding to come through. And then, of course, when they finally got it onto the screen, it was killer because it wasn't a script that just had one or two revisions. They spent that time refining and working on the script and that's one of the keys to Australian products keep working on that script up until the last moment. Sure. Drunk History, it's uh, Reese Darby and Stephen Curry. Yep. Um, in a comedy format that takes Australia's rich, often surprising history and retells it through the words of our most loved comedians and entertainers. It's being produced by our Eureka Productions, Drunk History. Great get there to get Reese Darby onto Australian TV. Very, very funny man. And Stephen Curry also comes with a great comedy reputation there. Uh, and people know this format and familiar with it. So uh, I think there'll be a lot of eyeballs on this one. I think people will want this one to work. Yeah, yeah. that uh, It could work, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, be interesting though. I don't know if, you know, Australian history, that's, it's been hard for to attract people in the past, so maybe sort of presented in this format. Yeah, a charm. It, uh, it might get them on board. Taboo. It's the uh, Harley Breen from uh, we just mentioned Loon Media, um, Leonie Lowe's uh, Sydney production company. Uh, Taboo has broken audience records in its country of origin, Belgium. The premise is as confronting as it is simple. The very funny Harley Breen spends five days and nights with members of a disadvantaged group in society and uses the experience to, to perform a stand-up routine about them with the subjects sitting in the front row. Right. <laughs> oh, this is this is on the edge, this one, isn't it? I like Harley Breen and I think he's uh, a good fit to do this type of show, but, oh, yeah... It's it's kind of on the edge of this stuff, you know, when, mm. especially as we live in politically correct times now and this is a show where you kind of, it'll be very interesting to see are we going to have one situation in the opening episode or is it two or three, maybe one every commercial break, maybe there's three. Mm. Um, yeah. This one I think is a, is a is slightly problematic possibly. Yeah, I, I guess he spends five days and nights with these people. Yeah. So he'll know how far he I can suppose, push yeah. it, I guess. Very true. And they'll get to learn yep. Harley Breen, what he does, yep. why he does it, you know, not to take offence, to have a laugh. Yes. On, you know, perhaps. Yeah, well, look, perhaps they, not. <laughs> well, actually, you know, this might be the perfect show for our politically correct mm. times. There, if they just if they do like Harley and they kind of there's an understanding between them, go hard. We're yep. going to sit in the front row. You can really mm. take the piss out of us. This could be great if everyone's in on the joke. This will be great. Yeah, yeah, it'll be hard to argue with it, won't it? If, yeah, if they're all having a great time. Trial by Kyle arguably had the most publicity of any of these shows so far. Uh, the blurb says the toughest cases, biggest celebrities and genuine disputes can only be settled by one man, Radio Shock Jock Kyle Sanderlands. As Kyle carefully unravels each case, former The Bachelor 
Australia star and criminal lawyer Anna Heinrich is on hand to assist in forensically analysing the evidence. It's a uh, program from Screen Time Australia. Well, you know what I'm going to say about this one. I have absolutely no interest in watching Kyle Sanderland's passing judgment on things given his past. You know, I don't think he's a great fit to be passing judgment because uh, he's put his foot in his mouth a few times before. I think the casting of Anna Heinrich is really great um, because it'll show that there's a female with a brain working on Channel 10 during Pilot Week. Uh, but I'll watch it because I'm going to watch everything on Pilot okay. Week. Um but I don't want to watch Cole on a weekly basis in this type of show. And this format is problematic because, I mean, we tried to do this with Gina Liano from The Real Housewives of Melbourne. She was going to be Judge Gina, remember, and do a very similar show and they tried that pilot and it didn't work. So it seems easy on paper to do it, but uh, it's maybe harder than it looks. Yeah, I mean, Kyle has worked on TV, but he's always been part of, uh, like, as a judge on a you know, a format program. Yeah. So he's been part of an ensemble, part of a cast, just him carrying the program. And the reason it's got the most publicity is because he broke an embargo, (laughs) talked about it before Channel 10 had a chance to do it, made it all about him as he does. Okay. Mm. But then again, this does have potential to, um, you know, if his radio audience... What's the show called again? ...buy into a trial by Kyle. See, it's a good title, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's the one thing I'll give it. It's a great title. And and I want to see Anna do her stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I think, you know, I think he's um, harshly judged on radio. I think he's actually better than a lot of people give him credit for. But there are... I do get it that a lot of people get pissed off... Yeah. ...by him and his, his manner, I guess you could say. Although Judge Judy's manner is a bit off-putting too, isn't it? When you sit well, and watch right. an episode of Judge Judy, yeah. that is the, you know, mm. you may not want to sit down and have a cup of tea with Judge Judy afterwards, but, mm. you know, as long as, I guess it's all going to depend on what happens in the pilot. If he actually comes across as being a common sense type of guy and he actually does it well, it might work. But I think if any of the people that don't like Cole get a sense that, He's being a smart ass. It's not going to work. <laughs> mm, but some of those people don't mind a bit of the smart ass in him. Maybe, yeah. And especially if it's given to people that maybe deserve that. Ah, I didn't think about that. You're yeah. right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's not bad. Okay, we have two left. Uh, disgrace with an exclamation mark. This is the Sam Dastiari um, program uh, made by the um, people behind Gruen and the Chaser. Well, it's, which sort of makes you prick up your yeah. ears and take a bit more notice, right? The um, What happens? Um, well, they sort of look at scandals and break them down? Yeah, I think they um, – well, they call it a half hour of opinion, insight and laughs. There's not a whole lot of detail about there. They Just as they manage the latest outbreak of outrage in a half hour of opinion. Okay, well, there usually is an outrage of the week, isn't there? Oh, there's always something. You know, so it's topical. Gruen's a great show. Any The production team between Mm. Gruen, I'll watch anything that they make. I actually think that Sam Dastiari, who's been criticised for what's he doing being picked on this, I actually think will be great because I 
watch his Facebook videos. Okay. And Sam, as a politician, understands the social media a lot better than uh, a lot of other politicians do. And um, whenever he's made his videos, they're funny and they're, they grab your attention. So I think he understands the medium. So he may be a surprise package on this show. Yeah, this is also being made by uh, CJZ, the yeah. uh, people who are doing Skit Happen, so they're the only production company with two shows in this eight. But, yeah, that um, I mean, Sam Dastyar is pretty high profile. Yeah. A lot of people would be interested to hear what he's got to say about outrages. He stayed away from that whole sort of Sky News channel sort of crew who do stuff. So, yeah, it, uh, it, it'll certainly be interesting seeing what they're doing. The... Biggest potential out of all these shows for helping turn around Network 10 is Bring Back Saturday Night. Yeah. Right? Rove McManus is on a mission to bring back Saturday Night Entertainment, which there, and we've talked a lot about this. We have. On these podcasts over the years. That yep. What a barren evening Saturday can be if you don't like your some of your British dramas on the ABC or sport elsewhere or, or movies. That's it. You know, that's really it, isn't it? Or reruns of reality programs yeah. screened early in the week. There is a real, you say gap because you think it's, a, but there is a gap in the market for a an entertainment show, maybe Shiny Floor, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, possibly live. I think it's, mm, well, it's well, got to be think, current at least. I think it, it needs to be live. I think, I think it needs it's part to be live. Of the, you know, well, let, let's not forget that we all grew up on a diet of Hey, Hate Saturday Night, which mm. was a live show and it was something that you always had on by default. Yeah. It was on in the background every Saturday night, you know, back in the age when we were getting ready to go out. People always talk about the fact that it was on in the background you'd be watching it while you're getting ready and all that. Um, things have changed a lot in television since it went off the air you know, yeah. over 20 years ago now, uh, that audience doesn't really watch a lot of terrestrial TV. So it's kind of going for a different audience. But, hey, yeah, I they... always think that there's there, that, that there's there's room for this to work on a Saturday night yeah. if they get it right. Yeah, well, they do say live here in the blurb. So, right. yeah, that's their, that's their plan. Um, yeah. A quest to reunite Australia's greatest acts, bands and television faces in a generation-bending live television show. Yeah. Produced by Rove's Roving Enterprises, of okay. course. Oh, yeah, look, if they could get this away, it could, because uh, tens worst shares every week yeah. by quite a substantial amount are there yep. Saturday evenings. Yeah. So um, yeah, they like, could do well. Yeah, it's better than a David Attenborough repeat, isn't it? Oh, it is. Just what they do or mm. Bondi Rescue repeat mm. or something. They just It's almost like they give up on a Saturday night. Yep. So power to them for giving this a go. Let's hope they get it right. I mean, I like the time slot of the early evening, yeah. 6-ish, 6.30. Yeah. So you can watch it then you can go out if you want to Correct. or you can watch a movie or some drama. Yeah. I think it's the, per- the the most fun I've had on Sunday nights for a long time was when Joan Rivers, Fashion Police, was yeah. was six thirty. That's right on E. Good call. It was just brilliant. Yeah, it was perfect. You yep. know, then they took they moved it later. 
Then I went to a weeknight and it was just never the same. And we should also acknowledge the one on our one of our previous podcasts, we got something wrong here when we were talking about the rumour that Julia Morris and Dr Chris Brown would be doing Ant and Dec's Saturday Night Takeaway. I read that that they were planning it for Saturday night, but uh-huh. we got that TV Tonight story wrong. It was mm. they were actually thinking about doing it on another night, right? Mm. Apparently I, it's going to happen, I keep hearing, but... Well, if it's on Channel 10, then those are kind of two very similar shows then, isn't it? You would think so, yeah. Um, But look, let's see what Rove brings to the table. I suppose maybe they're waiting to see what he gives them before, Mm. you know. Mm, Dr Chris Brown and Julia Morris seem to be sitting there in limbo, you know. They're telling TV Week this week, we hope I'm a Celebrity comes back, but we're not sure, so. Mm. Look, so they're doing that. Um, Julia Morris has got her... Sort of dating show, I think. Yeah, Blind Date. Coming up. Still coming on 10. Dr. Chris Brown is also doing some work, I think, with Discovery. Right. On some yes. vet format, Correct. I saw. So they're I both, saw that. So they've both got other stuff on the go. So yeah. So I guess we shouldn't feel sorry for them. But, uh, but yeah, they could be two similar formats. But I I will be watching that Rove and um, just hoping they manage to nail that and the audiences uh, give it a crack. Yeah, because it will be down to ratings, but they're also saying they're going to take social uh, media into account and stuff like that. They're painting it up as the audience decides, but really the audience decides about every show <laughs> in the schedule, doesn't it, eventually, yeah. you know, after yeah. um, after a few weeks. Okay, so what else have you been watching now? Patrick Melrose. Yeah. I don't know much about this. So this is a new series on BBC First. It just started. Uh, I'm not a huge Benedict Cumberbatch fan. Oh, come and on. I'm just not. Why not? I'm sorry. Why not? And I kept seeing these guys. I'm not a show. huge um, Sherlock Holmes yeah, fan. Right. But I still, I like him though. Yeah, see, I've never been a I mean, fan. No. And okay. I just kind of went, oh, whatever. And then I thought <laughs> I should watch it because it's a new show and I didn't know anything about it. For all I knew, he was going to be a lawyer or a doctor. And so I put it on and was just so blown away because it is so insane and not what I was expecting at all. And he is brilliant in it, nominated for an Emmy Award. He's basically an upper-class drug addict mm-hmm. with a severe drug problem oh. who has to deal with the death of his father, played by Hugo Weaving in flashback. So there's so much being hinted at going on and he goes off on this. I don't want to give too much of it away except to say that it is my new favourite show right now. I've watched the first episode. I can't wait to see where this is going. Okay. And it's incredible. So it's now, if you've got Foxtel now, it'll be there to watch and it's rolling out week by week on BBC First. And, James, you have to watch it. I will, yeah. My list is just yeah. so long. It's a bit it's, – it's got that train spotting vibe about it. Okay. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Okay. That insane drug taking. But this one, he's like an upper-class guy with a lot of money and it just makes it all the more the juxtaposition of him. Does he try to hold together a sort of a straight persona? He tries for like five <laughs> minutes, and then when he gets the shakes, he goes, "Oh, what the hell? I'll just get a little bit of this to calm me down." And he just goes, and then he just is off on a binge for the right. whole episode. And there's a couple of times you have to turn away, like, "Dude, don't do that. Really? Are you insane?" And he just does it. It's oh. outrageous. Yeah. Wow. Yep, I'll be, I'll be looking at that. A War on Waste is yep. back um, back next week. Our, no, tonight. Our, oh, tonight. It's We're tonight, recording yeah. this on a Tuesday. They did the Q&A last night. So, folks, night. you would have missed the first episode if you haven't seen this when we published this. But, yeah, um, right. It's, of course, all there on iView. It's fantastic. I thought last year was such a great show. Oh, it, it was. was yep. Amazing listening to Q&A and hearing about 
the fact that that show led to change and serious change with the supermarket chains and all that stuff. And I think it was really uh, a real eye-opener to learn some of the things that we learned in the first series and just some of the topics that they're going to do on this one, like is bottled water, is it as stringently tested as tap water is in Australia? And I think the results are going to really blow people away. So can't wait to see it. What an important show. This is like the best of television right here, a show that's entertaining but a show that educates you and can change the world. I love it. Mm. Mm. So he was on Q&A this week? He was. It was a whole panel okay. on, you know, this subject. Oh, I want to check that because there's something else I've got to watch. So did they mention the whole plastic bag drama? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Does he, does it worry him that some people accusing supermarkets as using it just as a profit incentive? They don't really care about the environment? What was really interesting on the show was that there was the, the guy that was there who represented all the local councils all across Australia. He said... Look, in South Australia, we haven't had plastic bags in supermarkets since 2009. So we're sitting there in South Australia looking at the east coast of Australia saying, get over it, you guys. So it was presented like that. There's a reaction, but the reaction is an extreme reaction from maybe 5% of customers. According to last night, the majority of customers are cool that this could be a bit of a media beat-up and, uh, you know... it's something that needs to be done and it feels like the majority of people that that's a noisy minority that are upset that they can't get plastic bags on women at the supermarkets anymore and it's it's just going to be a process for them to go through yeah look i, I, I i'm i haven't i've taken reusable bags to the supermarket for years and i just can't understand people who don't i mean no. it's just you know it, it just, just seems a waste even if you don't really give a stuff about the environment it's just a waste it's of, a waste of material you use it once and it goes out I yeah. mean it's just crazy crazy Not, but I think it should spread across retail you go to some of these high end fashion stores you get these very elaborate bags which you take home once and what are you supposed to do? then chuck them as well I mean yeah. I think it just should be um, everywhere people should do it and just um, yeah it's a complete beat up but how it's oh I can't deal with this oh what am I going to do it's, it's like that whole bike share thing to me how people just can't get the concept of, you know, Australians take the bite and go and trash it and we'll put it in a tree and dump it in the sea and, you know, we'll, we'll just... And this claim, James, that the supermarkets are doing this just for profit and yeah. all of that, in Southwest Rocks where I am, tiny, tiny little town, one supermarket chain, Coles, mm. bunch of locals making, stitching together reusable boomerang bags, go to Coles, Coles say, yep, come to our supermarket, set up outside, talk to people about this. Absolutely couldn't have been more helpful in terms of we're not going to do plastic anymore so you come in and talk about your bags. You know, that doesn't strike me that that's corporate greed to be so helpful. And even if it was, they were going to make – I don't care. If there's going to be less plastic bags and people can't get it together to bring their own, well, yeah, buy one. Yeah. You know, buy your reusable bags from Coles. Yeah. If they make more money out of it, well, too bad. We're in capitalism. Go hard. Uh, Pointless. Yeah. Um, Probably the big first plank of 10 second half, which launched this week. I watched the first episode. I've got to say, I really liked it. Yeah, I liked the show. And the thing that really struck me about it was that it was clearly 10 trying to up the median age of that time slot. That Family Feud, I think, always would have skewed a little bit young. You think? Well, 
It just felt to me that it was a show that little kids could kind of, who'd never ever seen Family Feud before, would have loved it because it was easy to play w- along with. Pointless is not that type of show. Pointless is a little bit more cerebral and feels to me like it's... I thought they were trying to up the IQ of the audience, yes, maybe. Yes, well, that's what <laughs> I'm trying to say. Okay. And I think that's the audience they want to attract to 6 o'clock to maybe stick around at 6.30 and maybe a few more of those people watch the project. Mm. That's what it felt like to me. I was surprised because I, I hadn't obviously paid too much attention, but Mark Humphreys is really the star. Oh, he's I fantastic. Mean, Andrew Rochford's there, but it's a very, you know, Humphreys is the host. Yep. Rochford's sort of the adjudicator and the information guy, but it's definitely Mark's show, isn't it? Yeah, very much and he so. He did a great job. But it's funny, though, isn't it, thinking of the transition from the feed just a few weeks ago? They didn't muck around, did they? He was on that, like, on air probably last month as we record yeah. this. And now he's on... Um, a really very different product. but um, And I am going to miss those hilarious viral videos that Mark Humphreys used to do, sure. which were sometimes hilarious on a daily basis. But, look, if if he's in Channel 10 now and they love him, he's the sort of guy they should be getting to do double duty and being on mm. Skit House as well. If they go ahead with their yep. skit show, it's not called Skit House, but if that pilot works for 10, give Mark Humphreys some work on that as well. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I hadn't... Pointless has been on for years, right? And it's on the ABC. I think it's on the ABC twice a day. Yeah, I think it is too. Early it's on around and, four o'clock or and, something. Yeah, and maybe mornings as well. I'm not sure, but um, and I'd never really taken a lot of notice of the format, but I quite liked it. Yeah, and I like the things like things like Beach Boys, um, phobias. It's, you learn stuff too, and it, yeah, and it's a bit like Family Feud in reverse. I call it. It is absolutely Family right? Feud in reverse. <laughs> From going from the most popular so response they survey to the least hundred people or whatever, but you just flip it. Yeah. So yeah, no, I really liked it. The audience numbers were good on debut. Great. Possibly they won't hold, but hey, you never know. But it, but it was good. So yep, good on them. Well done and well made. A dead lucky. Yeah. New ABC. Now this is this SBS. Yes, it is. Right. And Rachel Griffith. Wednesday nights at nine thirty p.m. Not getting the greatest reviews. Okay. I've noticed. Uh, I watched the first episode. I really liked it. I thought that Rachel Griffiths was a uh, standout good in it, playing a kind of a complicated female cop with anger issues uh, that's sort of been brought about by the breakdown of her marriage and too much work and the death of a partner on her watch. And it's interesting because so many of the uh, SBS dramas recently have had a very heavy multicultural theme to them, like... Sunshine with the African baseball uh, basketball team and Safe Harbour with the yep. boat people and all of that. This one's just a straight-out crime thriller. But they have this diverse cast that are in some of the supporting roles. So you get the actors you know, like Justine Clark and Simon Burke and um, all of that, but then you get these new actors who, for me, do a great job. And I think maybe the reviews aren't all that great because people are going, oh, well, where's the kind of the SBS worthiness? But I think it's just a straight-up crime thriller. Mm. And I'm invested. I've watched episode one. I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Let's add that to the list. Um, <laughs> Killing Eve. You know, interesting, isn't it? So we've talked about it being on iView only. Yep. And it's been on iView for quite a while now, a few months. But it's coming into a um, Friday night slot. For the broadcast. And a lot of people have been talking about it and I like that ABC are putting it on at 8.30pm on a Friday night, mm. um, whereas, you know, SBS go 9.30 with some of their dramas and, in fact, with some of the stuff they've got on on demand, they stick it on to 11pm at night. 
But ABC know they're onto a winner with this one. It's just been nominated for a bunch of Emmys. Sandra mm-hmm. Oh is up for Best Actress for a limited miniseries or something. And this is so kind of left of centre. You think you're just going to watch this straight drama about an MA5 girl working in the – and it just is so <laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, as she kind of tracks down this female assassin, which, again, is something we've seen so many times, but they managed to put a fresh take on it. And I think it's going to startle the – I think if, you know, the the older viewers on ABC are expecting something a bit midsummer murders, I think they're going to be sitting a bit upright in their chair on a Friday night. It's a bit more in your face than what they'd be used to. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to see the numbers, won't it, given that it's been on iView for so long. Yeah. But I think they'll still be reasonably good. I think they'll be all right. So I still think it's probably a big audience and just aren't bothered with on demand. They just, they'll just watch their schedules and see, find something they like and, and just watch it. And this is a show that I think people talk about because mm. that's how I found out about it. People started saying to me, have you watched Killing Eve? You've got to watch this show. So, mm. you know. Just as an aside, um, Justin Milne, the chairman of the ABC, commented, I think, on Monday in a piece in The Australian, uh, ABC is pitching for some extra money to build like a massive iView where virtually everything will sit on iView. Sometime in the future, they won't broadcast. Yep. It'll best be all sort of on demand, if you like. Look, when you think, you look at the fact that uh, we've had Mystery Road on a Sunday night and now we've got Jack Irish, which I'm loving, and it's going to be followed immediately by Rake in the same time mm. slot. I mean, boy, what a hat trick there of three, yeah. maybe the three best Aussie dramas of the year back to back. And there's so much talk going on out there about the ABC is biased and it's like, stop <laughs> talking about that tiny part of their operation. Look at this incredible Aussie drama they're serving up to us now and the quality shows from Britain that they screen. You know, there's some great drama there. Yeah, but and his point was too, this will end up saving them a lot of money because they won't need multiple channels yep. to push out. So we've talked before, maybe well, you, maybe they, or I've, yeah, I've said, yeah, maybe they could save on yeah. the kids' channel, the comedy channel. Yeah. You know, if you like throw SBS in, maybe SBS could save on Viceland or food or something as well. And if you have this big, the public broadcasters, a lot of the content's living whether and it could be streamed live as the channel or the show's on demand, but all watched through a um, an internet interface. And you know, when you said that maybe they don't need ABC comedy, I thought, well, controversial. But <laughs> when you, when you break it down and think about it, I as I said, I've come to that view that mm. free to air TV and Foxtel need to have less channels, screening repeats, yep. and you know all of that and more stuff online because yeah, that's the, where yeah. the future is. And the audiences aren't huge. So, I mean, you're not depriving people if you no. just have it there on demand. You can watch it when you want to, you know, and you can still offer it and maybe invest a little bit more in the content. Yeah, less TV channels but more killer content yeah, on some, the ones that are there. Yeah, and some bit better budgets for some of those programs yeah. perhaps. Um, the Real Fool Monty coming yeah. up on 7. Now, you've seen this. I did watch it and, of course, I watched the whole thing and what do you reckon Channel 7 do at the end? They don't show the strip. They go, oh, well, now you want to watch the actual strip tease routine? You'll have to watch it live on Sunday night. Oh, so it's not in the preview. It's not in the preview, but I watched all the bit up to it. Look, it's a bit clunky. It's kind of, you know, Todd McKenney and... There's lots of backstories, I'm guessing. Shane Jacobson in the car going, oh, let's go through your phone. What celebrities (laughs) do you know? It's all a bit, yeah, right. 
Um, and then they learn the routine. So it is kind of dragged out for a bit. But one thing that I will say about them, they're doing it for a reason. It's about men's cancer. Mm. And that isn't just a throwaway line. They come back to that theme again and again and again. They get someone in who's been through the experience and they keep going back to this message. So, you know, I hope that message gets through for some blokes. I don't know how many blokes will be going, yeah, let's sit down and can't wait for Chris Smith to get his gear off. Yeah, it's going to be pretty much female audience and mm. gay man audience watching, I would assume. But, uh, it was, you know, pretty good show. And, yeah, they they they, uh, they snook at me. I'm going to have to bloody watch it on Sunday night to do see the routine. Do you think the strips are all at the end or is there? do you think there'll be some during the program? No, you bet. I've watched the whole show. Or they all do it together, do they? Yeah, or? They, or everything is kind of, everything hinges on the end of the show. You barely even see them take their shirt off in rehearsal. You see them rehearsing, but they got all their clothes on. And then it's, okay, you guys, we're going to have to get our gear off and look at each other to get over the fear of this, and they shut the door and the camera leaves. So it's all about that last performance at the Enmore Theatre. Right. Mm, Fascinating. We'll see how that goes. Australian Survivor, I think we've talked a little bit about that before. It's getting close. Yes, it is. August 1. Yep, yep. Just and they're releasing more celebrity names. Yes. Commando, yep. Steve Willis, is joining Matt Rogers and Shane Gould and still some more names to be announced, right? Sure. Yep, yep. No, it's it looking does look good interesting. This year. Again, you know, I'm saying, well, I'm really going to get invested this year, but it's just time, isn't it? You yeah. Know, your, your stuff banks up and as soon as you miss one, you sort of slip and... And it starts August 1 and then we have the new block starting August 5. So, you know, that's going to suck up some of the audience in the same time slot. But look, at least Australian Survivor has a chance there to see if this is uh, going to be a really grab-your-season... Yeah. Some people might just stick around or decide to watch both. So I think it'll be on a few more nights of the week for its first fortnight and then The Bachelor kicks in on th- Wednesday, Thursdays, two weeks after The Survivor launches, I think. Yeah. So they'll really want to pile on that audience in those first in those first few nights before the block starts, I guess. Yes. They'll really be going hard to try and um, secure some people. Yeah. But yeah, I, that the, the what they're doing this year on the um, Australian Survivor certainly interests me. So the block is back in suburban Melbourne, not yep. far from the coast. Well, St Kilda. St Kilda. Um, and, and the theme is beach and, wow, look at us, we're in Hawaiian shirts and the, the tagline on the back of the TV Week ad now says, you know, we're back at the beach. And it's like, come on, guys, it's St Kilda. I know, it's not really beach. the end of winter. Mm. Come on, that's but not the beach. it was filmed, I guess, during the early part of this year. Was it? Yeah. Has it all been done? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, see, I think I it's all virtually that. finished. Right, okay. It usually is, I think, by the okay. time it goes to where... Of course it has to be, you The right. building's um, virtually finished. Yeah. So it would have been plenty of hot days down there. Okay. And it is a... Wa- I mean, they've never been very far from the beach. No. To be honest. Where but, you know, a lot of people who live on actual beaches will giggle at the concept that St Kilda is a beach. Let's be real here. Yeah, well, it's not too bad. <laughs> it's not too bad. I mean, Look, I've spent a Melbourne. lot of t- I lived uh, just around the corner from there for a while in, um, uh, there in, I think, Fitzroy Street. Yeah. At the Gatwick. Yeah. I was just around the corner in Beaconsfield Parade, probably, you know, 500 metres away. There's, I love it. The beach I isn't love bad Melbourne. There. You know, Port Phillip Bay, you know, it's 
You know, it's if, if that's all you've got, then, yeah, you call that a beach. But well, seriously, you're harsh. Yeah. Come Sydney on. Beach, Gold Coast Beach, come on, James. You're harsh. <laughs> no? But that building's massive, right? Yeah, it's Those one. aerial shots, that is a big building. Mm. And I had a friend that lived in that building once and it was always like the guy that lived in the front window who his window opened up onto the street, she was like, oh, so that guy, he sells drugs from the window and you'd be walking yeah. past and the window would go up and the hand would go out and it was like, oh, okay, nice, nice spot of town. Mm. So that building did have a reputation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, look, I think it'll do well. There's always an audience for the block. Of course there is. They always come They've back They've given away year. a fair bit in the promos, though. Did you notice that? Did you see a lot of finished? I don't know if they've, maybe they've always done that, but they just seem to give away a lot of the, the finish, the, like the look of the building, uh, what they've done to the roof with penthouses and all that. They've sort of given that away. Right. And they've given away some of the interiors. Oh, okay. And quite in some detail, I thought, in the promo. Um, which I, I'm not a big fan of because I really want to be surprised. I don't yeah. want to go in knowing stuff because then you're less compelled to watch it, I think. If you At sort least of... it means that the show is going to be all about that building and they don't have to do any stupid stunts where they take you to a warehouse and go, okay, just do uh, a room uh, here. Oh, don't worry, there'll be stunts. Yeah. No, there'll be stunts. Ah. There'll be shopping stuff ah. and there'll be ah. off-sites and, yeah, that's where I do lose a little yeah. bit of the... Um, it's a bloody huge building with a lot uh, of rooms. Why would one. they need to go off site? It's uh, well, so maybe, much maybe space they won't, in there. but they usually do. Yeah. Because they've got to fill a lot of nights. <laughs> do they ever? That's a lot of TV. Uh, and you've already mentioned Rake coming yeah. back after Jack Irish, yeah. um, Mystery Road. Yeah, it's been a, it's a wonderful trilogy, those three dramas. Killer, killer. Uh, back to back. Yeah. It's just done a fantastic business. And, the, and I think the ABC should be quite proud of all that. Oh, Guy Pearce in Jack Irish. It's just so... I just love it so much, the atmosphere and the mood of it as he's in that, you know, old pub at Fitzroy with the guys at the bar and how the the bits of information just come from. It's just great. It's just so beautifully written and so well performed. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been uh, it's been wonderful stuff. And I'm um, I'm sticking by uh, Poldark. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm loving this season of Poldark. They just do it so well, you know. They're just... They're so clever. Gee, they drink so much on that show too. I, I've never really – it really just <laughs> stuck out to me in the last few weeks and somebody said to me, oh, it's because they didn't like the water back then, I'm thinking, really? But they're always cracking the sherry or whatever, the wine or whatever they were drinking back then. But I guess in um, Game of Thrones there's a lot of booze. Oh, yeah. A lot of booze gets consumed too, doesn't it? But, well, what uh, wasn't the talk then it was safer to drink the booze than the water? Yeah, no, well, that's it. That's yeah. what somebody explained to me yeah. back, back in those days in England. Um, but I'm sure the aristocracy had um, – <laughs> Pretty clean water back then. Yes. I'm not sure. But that uh, probably about wraps it up for this um, little get-together, Andrew. Yes. Great to see you. Thank you, James. Um, I'm glad you've just told me before we come on here that the cinema's had a good school holiday period and Mamma Mia are a big hit. Mamma Mia is a massive hit. Yeah, and it's a good movie. It's a great yeah. film. I, I, I'm it's working a pretty impressive the cast. It's a great cast. Uh, it's a re- people walk out that theatre with the hugest smile on their face. Most people walk out of the theatre saying, "I'm going to watch that again. Mm. I could sit and watch that again right now." Yeah. Now it's pretty rare for people to say that. Um, so yeah, they're really striking all the right notes for it. And to think that some of those lesser known ABBA songs that you've kind of forgotten about, but they're familiar because you listened to them back in the 70s, but it's maybe been a while since you've played the Arrival LP and then you, li- you hear the melodies 
and the lyrics and, again, not changed a single word of lyric, mm-hmm. break the song down, this character has this verse, that character has that verse and it all just works so spectacularly well. That's the genius of it, the most incredible songs and they just lend themselves to so many situations and they've done a really good job with it. Could there be a third? Oh, I read a rumour and I it's thought... It's 10 years know. virtually to the... To the day, yeah. The other one, I think. Yes, it is. Uh, look, I. But who knows what's going to be ten let's years? Let's see how much time, money right? this one makes, hey? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. No, it's, it's doing pretty well so far. All right, Andrew Ricardo. Thank you. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, mate. James.